Hey guys, and welcome to Your Spiritual Best Friend, a podcast about mental health and astrology. Have you guys ever had a bad day or felt so anxious to the point where you are struggling to find yourself in this vast society we call life? Not to worry, guys. I have felt this way too. The podcast interviews guests from college students to parents and even experts that talk about their journey to where they are in the present moment. So sit back and relax and remember that you are not alone. Without further ado, let's get started with today's podcast. Hey, everybody. I just wanted to send you guys a very brief and very special message here. First, I just want to say thank you guys that have followed the show and have rated the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and also on any other listening platform. I appreciate you guys and your support tremendously. As a way to give back to the listeners tuning into the podcast, I have announced last week that I am starting a giveaway. So the giveaway item is a daily planner where you can set goals and set priorities. And there's also a special other giveaway item that will not be announced. It's like a special little gift for everybody. There's three ways to enter to this contest. So the first way, you guys must follow the podcast on all social media platforms. And you can do that by clicking on the follow or subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever you listen. The second way is after you follow to rate the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And the third way is to share the podcast to one to two friends, relatives or whoever about the podcast. If you guys do any of those three things, please just send screenshots to your spiritual best friend at gmail.com. And again, all the information will be in the show description. But winners will be announced in mid-June. So I hope you guys tune in. And please, guys, share the podcast to the people that are around. And who knows? I will announce the winner. And it's two very lovely items. But for now, this is Josh, your favorite spiritual best friend, signing off. Have you guys heard about Anchor by Spotify as being the easiest way to make a podcast? Let me explain it's free. Anchor has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Best of all, when even hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, like I said before, Anchor is totally free. So pick up your phones, laptops, or whatever you use and download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I hope to hear your podcast. Hey everyone, this episode is brought to you by Podcash as a collaboration between Racket and Stir. Podcast gave away over $100,000 to up-and-coming podcasters as a way to support insanely creative and inspiring podcasters. We know how difficult it can be to get a podcast off the ground and running, but with Podcast, 
It's a great way to get cash. And best of all, it's all free for your podcast. So if podcasting has been on your to-do list or you're already a podcaster, go to podcast.com to stay up to date with future podcast happenings. That's again, podcast.com, P-O-D-C-A-S-H.com. I hope to see your future podcast. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode talks about the story of Trisha Nelson. Trisha has a passion for helping people that are experiencing emotional eating and also binge eating disorder. Trisha has created her podcast titled The Heal Your Hunger Show, two books, the first one titled Heal Your Hunger, and her second book, Seven Steps to End Emotional Eating, focusing on what really causes us to emotional eat and to binge eat. Trisha also shares her own personal journey from losing 50 pounds and how once she realized her trauma and her life experiences, she was able to understand why she emotionally eats. Trisha has been on many shows on NBC, CBS, Fox, and Discovery Health. And also she's been on numerous TED Talks. And she gives great advice with you guys on how to handle emotional eating and binge eating. But like always, you can check out all of Trisha's work by clicking in the links in the podcast description. And before you guys can tune in, please like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Your subscriptions will help boost the podcast overall. But without further ado, here is my conversation with Trisha. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Your Spiritual Best Friend. I am your host, Josh Sanchez, and I'm here with a very special guest, Trisha Nelson. Trisha, how are you doing today, and what's going on? I'm doing pretty damn good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Of course, and I want to say again, thank you, Trisha, for reaching out and wanting to come on and and share your journey, because I know I read your message, and and I, I really was like, wow, like you really have a great story. I listened to some of your TED Talks. I listened to like your website and stuff, and that leads me right to um, our first question, uh, Trisha. So for you, like, um, what are some passions that you have, and what are some things you love to do for work? Um, well, I mean, my... Number one goal in life is to help people overcome emotional eating. So everything that funnels into that goal, everything that supports that goal, you know, I, every waking hour of my life is about that. And the reason for that is because I come from a place of being, uh, you know, very desperate and hopeless around my eating behavior and weight. So, um, I'd say anything, you know, I have a podcast and I, uh, do master classes and three day events and quit sugar challenges. And I do all, all kinds of things that are creative, you know, uh, I have a book. So anything that is creative where I get to write or speak or present, uh, you know, around my body of work for helping people overcome emotional eating. That's what, that's, that's what drives me. And so it, like every day, I'm just excited and happy about what I get to do. 
Yeah, that, that's so awesome, Trisha. And as I'm hearing you describe your answer, you know, like you're doing a lot. You're creating books. You're you're on like TED Talks. You're creating a podcast. Like like you said, like your core belief is to help people that are experiencing like emotional eating and stuff. And that leads me right to my next question. So for someone that does not understand what emotional eating is, what is that? And how can we identify that within ourselves? Sure. Um, yeah, a lot of people aren't familiar with the term and or they hear it and they think, oh, that's not me. And I didn't think it was me either. I thought oh, I just like food. But um, what, when I started to observe my habits, you know, I would often eat when I wasn't hungry. Um, I would overeat to where I felt stuffed and kind of pissed at myself like, oh, God, why would you do that again? Um, I had a weight issue. I was 50 pounds overweight by the time I was 21. So I had, you know, some weird things going on with my eating to where it didn't really feel that normal, my relationship with food. So I'd say emotional eating is, is eating to, uh, distract ourselves from our feelings, from our emotions. And people might not realize they're doing that. They might think, oh, I just like food. But if you just take a little bit of a closer look, and hopefully after hearing this talk, it'll help you understand what that, you know, looks like, and you can start observing your own behaviors. But, um, you know, many people do it. I mean, I think everybody's an emotional leader to some extent. I even have a quiz we talked about that, that you took on my website where people can literally take a two minute quiz and find out if they're an emotional eater or even if they're in a food addict, which is sort of at the, at the more um, intense level of emotional eating, you know, sort of like uh, emotional eating on steroids is food addiction. And I was definitely a food addict as well, um, uh, where I just ate a lot of food to the point of, again, feeling sick, having it affect my energy, affect my health, uh, being obese, uh, so it's, it's eating beyond nutritional need, I would say, and for emotional reasons. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's actually a really solid point. Cause as I was hearing your answer, Trisha, like, um, I was just thinking to myself, like, especially when it comes to food and like emotions, they are, they can definitely be connected. Like I know there's been moments where like, let's say like you're eating a food and, and and like the emotion, like the emotions connected to that food, you know, it means something more. So then you keep eating and you keep eating. Um, I can definitely see that. Like for me, it like Oreos was always like that one food where it, like it didn't matter throughout the day. Like because whenever I would eat Oreos, it was during like high stress moments. And it took me some time to really like reflect and realize that that was happening, which leads me right to my next question. So now that we have like identified like what emotional eating is. How can we start to take the steps to reflect that on ourselves, you know, and get us out of out of these habits of overeating the nutritional like value and stuff like that? Yeah, so it's it's kind of like I won't say complicated because I've actually made it a lot simpler for people to understand this uh, issue, but it's definitely a thing where there are many levels to it. And so um, I'd say, the first step is to, to make it a connection between your eating and your emotions. And that takes a little bit of um, sleuthing work, if you will. So I've made it easier by uh, call it's by taking a look at this in the form of what I call the pep test. 
And PEP is an acronym, P-E-P, and that stands uh, the first, this is basically a way for identifying instead of what food is doing to you, which we know it, it affects our health in many ways, but instead of looking at what it's doing to you, changing that, that perspective to what it's doing for you, because we eat in excess uh, for emotional reasons. And it's like, what emotional reading reasons? Well, First of all, we eat um, uh, for the P stands for painkiller. So we eat to anesthetize pain, to kill pain. And you may beg the question, like, what kind of pain? Well, a lot of kinds of pain, you know, life is kind of painful. You know, there's, there's death, there's sickness, there's, um, you know, relationship issues, uh, financial issues, you name it. There's a lot of, there's plenty of pain to go around. Um, and so we eat for, uh, you know, on account of wanting to snuff out pain, like, like we eat, so we don't feel the pain. It's like a painkiller. It's kind of like morphine, you know, sugar and carbs. It's a great natural morphine, if you will. Uh, in the moment, we feel no pain after we've eaten those things. And, and I think that drives a lot of people's eating behaviors. Um, the E in PEP stands for escape. And um, escape from what? Well, in my experience as emotional eaters, we also have other traits, not just around eating, but also around the way our brains work. So we tend to be overthinkers. We tend to worry. We tend to awfulize, meaning we worry about things and think about the worst case scenario. We overthink things. We have a racing mind. What did she mean by that? Why did he look at me that way? Why aren't they talking to me? They must all hate me. <laughs> you know, it never stops. Our brains are super busy. And so we often eat just to escape our minds. And of course, this is not a conscious thing, right? Like we don't say, oh, I'm going to get out of my head now and eat some chips. It's like, no, we're just like, oh, I want chips. But, but we are on a, not, not on, on a, like on an unconscious level, we are looking to just check out. And that's why carbs are so useful because they do give us a serotonin hit. They do calm our mind. They slow down our mind. Um, and that's often the driver of our binges or our overeating, stopping at 7-Eleven for a bag of chips, whatever. The last letter in PEP stands for punishment, which seems counterintuitive because we think of food as a reward, like, oh, it's been a long week. I'm going to reward myself with this special dinner and uh, amazing garlic bread and ice cream. So we reward ourselves with food, but if we're one of those people, if you're like me, basically, and you sometimes go overboard to where you feel stuffed, like you're like way, way stuffed, you know, gosh, I could have stopped, you know, uh, three bites ago or three packages of cookies ago or whatever, you know, then it's not feeling like a reward. It's feeling like, ouch, like, ouch and ick, you know, what did I do to myself? How, like, how do I get into this situation again? So we punish ourselves with food. We beat up our bodies with food. We eat unhealthy foods. We eat foods that we know are going to cause us adverse reactions. Like perhaps we have gut issues or digestive issues, or perhaps we get headaches if we eat sugar, um, but we eat anyway. So it begs the question, why would I do that to myself when I know it's going to hurt? 
And my experience is as overeaters, we tend to be over feelers and we feel guilty about everything. Okay. We feel guilty and food is just a really good unconscious way to kick ourselves, you know, to make ourselves feel worse, even as consciously we're trying to reward ourselves. So that's a great place to start. Um, Josh is to just take a look at the connection between our eating and our emotions or trying to escape our emotions. Yeah, Trisha, I will say that's a really just like really great insight. And I like how you identified each letters and have and they have like different meanings, especially when it comes to punishment, because when just to add to your point, like a lot of people view a re- like food as like a reward. But like if you're constantly overeating, you know, you're not really realizing like the long term effects or like what's actually like going on in your own body. And I, I just wanted to highlight that. Like that's really definitely very insightful and great to the conversation and just adding to what you just said and stuff like that I know for yourself like going through this journey losing 50 pounds and power to you Trisha for doing that because I know a lot of people especially when it comes to losing weight it definitely is a long journey um what's some advice that you would give let's say someone is just starting out in that journey and they're trying to lose the amount of pounds that like you were that you were trying to lose one day what's some advice that you would give to that person um to and to understand themselves more and to help grow from this experience yeah well you know again this whole um this whole education of why we're actually eating it's a new it's kind of a new mus- muscle to look at our habits in this way like gosh Maybe I don't just like chips or chocolate. Maybe there's a little bit more to it. So that's a new conversation. Takes a little time to get used to, um, but it's really important to start tuning in. And my experience is um, emotional eaters have spent a lifetime trying to tune out. You know, again, we want to escape our uh, emotions. We're kind of like, Uh, trying to get out of our heads, trying to not be aware of how we feel, perhaps because we had tough feelings as a kid. You know, this this behavior goes way back, um, back to perhaps, you know, childhood where many of us as emotional eaters, we had tough situations. You know, many people had tough situations, not just emotional eaters, but trauma is no stranger to emotional eaters. So if you had a troubling childhood where you had somebody who was perhaps alcoholic or a rager or an addict in some way, that is a tough reality for a kid. And what does that mean? That means that um, if it's really tough, we're going to be looking to check out. We're going to be looking to soften the pain of our childhood. And food is one of the few things we have available to us, right? I mean, you can't go score drugs when you're five years old. So you're going into the kitchen and you're finding cookies instead. And cookies kind of do what drugs do. They kill the pain. They get us out of our head. And and then, of course, there's the built-in punishment. So uh, this is a habit that is often born, um, you know, early in our lives, which means it's a really tough habit to break. And that also means that we're not probably going to be able to break it with a diet, you know, but dieting is what we think of doing when we're frustrated with our weight. We're like, you know what, I'm going to go on a diet. 
Um, you know, I'm going to take these pounds off, but it doesn't really work out that way. You may lose the weight, but statistically speaking, 98% of all diets fail. And so, um, you can lose weight, but you'll typically put it back on again. And that is a very frustrating situation. You know, 98% is a, that's a pretty dismal number. You know, we're talking about a $600 billion industry, you know, but, but virtually nobody keeps the weight off. And so, um, and so diets really don't work for this situation, which means we have to find a better way. And in my experience, that takes going deeper, no question about it. And so I will just tell people, hey, you know, get off the diet track. Diets don't work. So you, you know, this, the cards are stacked against you. Uh, let's take it from a different tack. Let's look at emotional eating. Where are you using food um, in an emotional way? And the next, you know, question is, how can we stop doing that? Which I think is kind of what you're asking me. And I will just say, it's a process and there's many different steps to that process. Um, but it's one of self-reflection. It's one of self-care. It's one of learning to express your feelings. I often tell my clients, say it, don't stuff it. So there's, it's a process. There's many different steps. That's what I teach people. Um, that's what I've outlined in my book for those who are interested, but it's not a one and done, you know, it's a journey. Um, but I think it starts with realizing that if you struggle with your weight or with binging, it's not about the food. Like, let's just start there with the fundamental understanding and philosophy that the problem isn't really food. Yeah, definitely, Tricia. And and I definitely think it's spot on. And, and that statistic really highlights everything. Like 98% of diets fail. And I think, like you said, a lot of that is just like our mindset and how we view ourselves before we really get into the diet. I, and, and it comes back to like the self-reflection. Um, I actually, I interviewed a couple of people and they actually gave me some really cool um, analogies to like visualize this. So like picture all of us as cups and we're filled with water, whatever liquid you would like to, to choose for you to fill your cup. And what happens is through trauma and through negative experiences, there's holes that are poked and created and it's leaking out our, our own cup. And it's up to us to figure out what do we need in this situation to fix those cups you know it's really like that self-reflection and just to add to your point like like you said like it like when it comes to like binge eating and emotional eating a lot of the stuff and a lot of the trauma that was developed young has not been processed and how we cope everyone copes in different ways you know and for some people with it is eating like the extra food because the food brings them happiness it suppresses their emotions for that time but it's up to us to do the self-reflection within our own selves first and then we're able to find like you said the next steps and how to really help ourselves um i just wanted to highlight that to to add to your point trisha um because it is really it's really like just interesting how how much like our minds are wired and how they and how they work like trauma that even generational trauma trauma that has been passed over from generation to generation it all piles up and it's up to us to reflect on that um, but no question definitely um but just continuing our conversation i know we talked a lot about like 
like your own journey and you shared a lot of insight in what you do and and I really appreciate all that you have said so far. This is definitely very knowledgeable. Um, but when it when it comes to yourself and your and your own type of self care, because I know helping people and being and creating so much content for others can definitely be a lot of work. Um, Trisha, what do you do for yourself to really focus on your own self care? Oh my gosh. Self-care is so important. You know, it's, I, it's a drum I beat every single day. Um, you know, because when people, one of the reasons why 98% of all diets fail is because we take all our yummy foods away, right? We're like, Oh, don't eat carbs. Don't eat sugar, uh, whatever. Don't eat, uh, whatever, you know, fill in the blanks. Um, or if you're on a special health protocol where you have to cut out a lot of food, it's really hard to stick with it because again, those foods were serving us. And if we don't have something to take the, the place of those foods, like if those foods are giving us a crutch in some way and you just take them away, we don't have a crutch and we fall down. So we've got to have new tools and that's where self-care comes in. You know, so when we eat carby foods because they give us, you know, they, they make us feel relaxed or they help us chill out. Well, we got to find a new healthier way to relax and chill out. So um, I'm a meditator. I meditate twice a day um, for about 20 minutes a day. And this is super important um, for me. It helps lower my stress. It helps me heal. Um, it just helps me in every way possible. And I don't think I could have lost 50 pounds and kept it off without meditation because again, the overthinking, the overfeeling, our minds racing and also overdoing overeaters tend to be overdoers. Like we pack our schedule with things to do. And so, uh, it's really important to realize that that doesn't work. And so meditation helps us step away from all that chaos, all that activity that just keeps us again, it keeps us distanced from ourselves. So a beautiful practice is meditation. It helps us connect with ourselves. It helps us connect with God or spirit, whatever you call it. Um, and it helps us just know what our feelings are. You know, if we don't slow down and tune in, we're never going to know what our feelings are that we're stuffing with food and you can't heal what you don't feel, you know, what you don't even know is there. So we've, again, we, we have to change our lives. I often say it's really not an eating problem, but a living problem. We have to start living differently and this is how we do it. So meditation, prayer, reading, spiritual literature, connecting, you know, all my, uh, all the work that I do is done in groups of emotional eaters. So it's vital for emotional eaters to have connection and community with one another because, you know, binging, uh, late night, you know, eating and snacking and being overweight or being obese, carrying extra weight in our culture. That's, those are all tough things to experience and there's such a healing effect of being in community with other emotional eaters who have experienced the very same thing, not to mention all the crazy thoughts that we have around food and how to get rid of, you know, I used to feel like I wish I used to think, Josh, I wish I could get a disease where I'd automatically lose weight without having to diet because diets, I couldn't diet. I couldn't, I, I would last like two weeks or I used to think, oh my God, I have this stomach, this, this roll on my tummy 
what if it, it's just fat? What if I cut it, like could cut it off? Like you cut fat off the side of a steak, you know? And so I used, or, or I even thought maybe I'll join the army because I'll be forced to exercise at boot camp because I hated to exercise. So these are crazy thoughts that I thought, you know, only I had, but then I, you know, when I started to heal by listening to other people's stories, I started to realize, wow, I'm not the only one. So I'm not so bad, you know, and there's healing and realizing that we're not the only one and being on a journey of self-care. It's not easy to meditate every day. Like that's like very few people do that. Everybody knows they should meditate. You know, we live in a modern culture where meditation is not just some out, you know, sixties, you know, uh, flower child thing um, or Eastern religion thing. It's like, it's, it's a thing, you know, and, and most doctors who are conscious are recommending it, but very few people do it. But if you're in community with other people who are doing it, all of a sudden it becomes doable. So, uh, so that's really important as well. So these are all parts of my self-care and also the self-care that I recommend to my clients. Yeah, Trisha, I think you really hit the nail in the coffin when it comes to self-care. And, and it's like that feeling of community, like you said, like you're not alone. Like those thoughts and th- and feelings that you might feel like, oh, I'm the only one feeling this way. When you're in a, when you're in a community, there's a lot of others that feel the same way and you're not alone. And and with that and the sense of community, you're able to to learn and grow from each other. And and I definitely think that really is a perfect transition for our next part of our conversation. I know we talked a lot about like your journey and I really appreciate you sharing so much thoughtful, insightful information, Trisha, because I know when it comes to when it comes to putting in a lot of like emotional work and a lot of self-reflection, it does take a lot to open up and admit like, hey, like I do need to have help and I and I do need and these thoughts are going through my mind. So power to you for recognizing that and teaching that amongst others. Um, but like I mentioned a little bit, like relationships are very key in any in anyone's lifetime, obviously, because we feed off of the people that we surround ourselves with because we are beings of energy. Um, my first question for you, Trisha, is what are some qualities that you really look for in a friendship and even like a romantic partner? Uh, what are the, the traits I look for? Yes. Um so funny. I, um, I've been in a relationship with somebody for about 15 months now and we met on a dating app. So I'm, I'm a fan of dating apps. <laughs> so, um, I was in a relationship, um, a committed relationship for 30 years and I left that uh, a little over three years ago. So, um, I I'd say one of the top things that are, are important to me are, um, is humor. Okay. Uh, humor, chemistry, Um, and I, I think soul, you know, having a soul connection where, I mean that, and that requires heart that requires somebody have a good heart, you know, a pure heart. Um, not that any of us are pure, but I just mean a good heart where somebody is coming from the right place with the right motives. So, yeah. So those are three things, heart, chemistry, and humor. Definitely. And, and I definitely think those three traits are, are definitely important to have in a, in, a, in a partner because 
obviously like life can be very intense at times you know we always need to have moments where we can laugh and we can enjoy each other's company and and like you said like I, I know you mentioned like a soul connection like I am a firm believer in in each lifetime like there are soulmates whether they come in friendships either family members or even a romantic partner you just vibe on a different level um, when it comes to like being a soulmate so as I was hearing your answer like soul like yeah I was like I, I de- I'm definitely like yeah like the idea of soulmates is definitely something that should be talked about more when it comes to meeting people because there's just some people you just connect like you said on a deeper level um but i just wanted to highlight that um but this question just continuing our conversation this one's a little less serious one Uh, i always have my guests come on and ask this question so the question pretty much is like if you were on a first date with somebody like what are some turnoffs that would happen where you would not have a second date so as you think about your answer um for me i always did like a little test so i music is very big for me so i would hand people the aux cord whoever was on a first date with and depending on what they play was like my little test so for you trisha do you have like any like small little test or any like any turnoffs that you would not have in a second date <laughs> Well, it's funny because when I was, uh, I mean, I, I didn't even know anything about online dating um, when I, you know, I, I mean, I've been under a rock for 30 years. So um, this whole online dating thing was so new to me. So I would just say, hey, let's FaceTime. Let's, let's like, I'm not going to bother going out for a date. This is pre-pandemic, but, um, you know, I'm not going to go out for a date. Uh, let's just meet on FaceTime, you know, and um, and I, I, I will say it was new for me. And I did say, I, I did realize about the dating thing and for anybody's benefit, it helped me to realize, cause a lot of people are like, uh, dating apps, ugh. but, but for me, you know, after being in a relationship that was committed for 30 years, which is a long time. <laughs> so there's a lot, I didn't know about myself. A lot of like, like dating is really an exploration into myself, not other people. And I really took that, that perspective and it helped me um, not take myself too seriously or, and not take any date too seriously. So I realized very quickly that my meeting people is, is really a way for me to meet myself. What do I like? What don't I like? You know, what, what is important to me? Uh, what, what is a priority for me in a relationship? Um, and also how can I express myself? Like you gotta, you gotta get good at communication if you're going to have a good time dating. So I went on a very early on in my, my online dating, I did a FaceTime call with somebody and within the first couple sentences of him speaking, I knew he was a smoker. I could just feel it. I could hear it in his voice, his voice, his vocal cords had been you know, destroyed by smoking. And so <laughs> the first thing I said is you're a smoker, aren't you? It really took him aback, you know, cause I was very direct obviously. And he's like, how, how do you know that? And I said, I, I can just tell. And I said, I don't date smokers. I'm sorry. And then that <laughs> kind of made him crazy. And he's like, what do you mean? No, no, I, I quit. I can quit again. I quit once. I can quit again. Blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, what I know about addiction, because I'm in the addiction world, is you don't quit anything for anybody. You don't quit an addiction for somebody else. It's not going to stick. You know, so this idea that you're going to quit smoking, it's hogwash, you know, um, unless you're doing it for yourself and you're committed to it, but you're not going to do it for love. And so that was it. Like I was done. But, and that was all very intuitive. I hadn't decided I wasn't going to date smokers. I hadn't thought about it, frankly. I just was on a, on a call with somebody. I thought, nah, 
I don't, I don't want to date a smoker. It just, I know, I know too much about addiction and I know that it's just, it's not going to work for me. And so I, I, that's an example of, first of all, something that is a non-negotiable for me, definitely a deal breaker. Um, but it also is an example of me just getting clear on what I need and what I want and what I don't want and communicating it clearly and not wasting my time or somebody else's time. You know, I moved on. So there you go. Yeah, Tricia. And I will say again, like power to you for, for, you know, taking the challenge, you know, and, and getting on a dating app, because like you said, like, as you are experiencing like new relationships and you're finding like you're, you're, you're trying to find yourself obviously too, because you're realizing what, what you do like, what you're realizing, what you don't like. And I definitely think, like you said, like a key phrase that you said was like, I had to learn to like, to stop taking it so seriously because like you said, like you've been in a relationship for so long, like you definitely do lose parts of yourself, especially if you're in a relationship where, you know, like there's been a lot of ups and downs, you know? So when you are experiencing dating again, you have to really find yourself at the end of the day and figure out what is it that I need in this world? Because the longest relationship you have with anyone in this world is the relationship with yourself. So I just wanted to highlight some key words and, and some phrases that you were, that really stuck out to me as I was hearing your answer. And I wanted to say again, power to you for taking a step and realizing what do you need in relationships and even, yeah thank you of course yeah because it's definitely it's important to hear you know and and like you said I also think what you said about addiction was spot on too like if you're relying on your partner to stop your addiction you're never going to change like like I mentioned earlier with the cups it's up to us it's up to ourselves, you know, to work on those holes within ourselves. And if we're relying on our partners to do it, it's it's not going to be good. You're going to be in a just a constant cycle. Um, but continuing our conversation, Trisha, I know we have I just have a couple more questions and then we'll wrap everything up. Um, but when it comes to astrology, I'm just curious to know, like, how much do you know about it? And, and are you like how much do you really like enjoy astrology just for curiosity's sake? Um, so I don't know a lot. I tend to, my eyes glaze over when we get too deep into the, the moons and the suns. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I know I'm a Cancerian, you know, I was, I was born on July 1st and I like being that, that astrology, astrological sign, um, the things I've learned about it. Um, and I find it interesting, you know, I've been on websites where they talk about love and astrology and it's, it's interesting, but that's about as far as it goes for me. Yeah, pretty much. Like I always, I like to view astrology as another tool in the toolbox. I know you like meditation and stuff, and you can add astrology as like another tool to help you understand yourself. Yeah. Um, but I know, I know. Before we recorded, I mentioned this website is called thehoroscope.co, and I Google your sun and moon, and it gives a little reading. So as I give the reading, just let me know how you feel about it. Um, okay. But, but for you, Trisha, you are a Cancer Sun with a Taurus Moon. Shout out to Taurus because it is Taurus season, and I am also a Taurus. So okay. Um, but for you, it says a resilient personality, pleasing. The Cancer Sun Taurus Moon personality finds it easy to adapt to others' demands, but overall will not accept advice from anyone and will only pursue their own dreams. Positives for your Sun and Moon combination: very adaptable and very charming. Negatives can be materialistic at times. Perfect partner, someone who is romantic and nurturing like them. Word of advice, they need to anchor themselves in reality better. So as I give you your 
positives, negatives, perfect partner and advice. What are some thoughts that come to mind? Huh? So, um, let's see. I heard the negative of materialism and I like clothes. So maybe that is a sign of my materialism. I love beautiful clothes. So there you go. I've got a closet full of clothes, a few closets full of clothes. So there you go on that. Um, I, my boyfriend is very grounding and what's one of the things I love about him is I can talk to him about anything. And I, you know, in my business stuff comes up and I'm not quite sure how to handle it. And so I talk to him and he does ground me in reality and gives me lots of good feedback. So those are the two things that stood out to me. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, like once we're done recording the podcast and stuff, I can always send you a bunch like more links and stuff if you're ever curious to know a little bit more. Um, but the materialistic, that's definitely a tourist quality because tourists, we love like material things. So for you, it's a nice clothes. For me, it's like I, I love uh, I love like nice smells and night. I got like I make sure my apartment smells very nice. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, cool. yeah. We, we all have our little things at the end of the day. Um, yeah. But, I appreciate everything that you said, Trisha. I really enjoyed our conversation and you sh- and be- you being so comfortable with sharing your journey. I really appreciate it. Um, where can everybody check out all of the creative work that you do? Um, the best place to go is kind of the hub for everything is my website, which is healyourhunger.com, H-E-A-L, healyourhunger.com. And you can have a link to my podcast, the Heal Your Hunger show there. Um, it's on iTunes and Amazon and other places as well. Um, the Heal Your Hunger show is on there. My A link to my book, Heal Your Hunger is on there. Um, and also uh, different um uh, links like if somebody is wanting to do something about their weight now, like they're like, I can't, I, I got to do something. There's an opportunity for a complimentary breakthrough session um, where you can meet with one of my coaches to determine, you know, what your needs are in terms of the next step for your healing journey. Um, and then the other thing is that quiz I talked about is on there. So maybe just start with the quiz, you know, it's a free quiz. It takes two minutes to take, and you'll find out if you're an emotional eater or a food addict, but it's healyourhunger.com. That's the best place to go. I am also on Instagram at Trisha Nelson underscore at the end of Nelson. Yep. And Trisha, all the links that you said will be in the show description. And I will say to all of our listeners viewing, um, I took the quiz. I thought the quiz was great. Like you said, it was two minutes. It was quick. And you learn a little bit more about yourself. Um, But Trisha, again, uh, I really enjoyed our conversation and please stay safe. Thank you. It's been great to be with you.